0: Our text this morning is Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, Luke 12, 22 through 34. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you, what you, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also.
1: Uh, Father, as we come to these words of Christ, Lord, I pray that you would Comfort us with them. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't justify our way out of them, but that we would have childlike faith, that we wouldn't try to change these truths to make them seem more realistic. God, I pray that we would trust You like the way that You're worthy to be trusted. We pray this in Christ's name, Amen. This morning we're gonna discuss the topic that Christ brings up, uh, the topic of anxiety and fear. Uh, we live in a culture that thrives off this, there's power where there's fear. There's power to be had where there's fear as long as you're the one that can deliver from that fear. If you want to sell a certain type of seed, you cause farmers to be worried about planting another type of seed that won't be able to handle the elements And your selling point is be afraid not to plant our seed. We're entering another year, political year, where we're going to see ads all over the TV screen that thrive off fear. They'll try to control your vote based off fear. You vote for me or else. It's everywhere. Fear dominates this culture. It's nothing new though. It's interesting. I was looking at some of the uh, anxiety disorders the DSM talks about, the uh, the manual that uh, the say, uh, psychologists use there's five main types of anxiety if they were going to put them in categories there's generalized anxiety disorder there's obsessive compulsive uh, disorder the types of anxiety where someone might wash wash their hands you know 200 times in a day till their hands are bleeding Uh Uh, I read of some cases where a guy would only take left turns and with the obsessive compulsive uh, disorder, you make up rules that if you break your kind of rules that you create in your mind, then something bad uh, will happen. Uh, I don't chuckle when I say that because I think if you would have brought me as a child... uh, in to a doctor, I think they would've, I would have been diagnosed with this as I would walk into my bedroom and I would turn the light on twice because an even number was better than an odd number and if I didn't do that, my dad might die of a heart attack. Things like that. There's panic disorder, which is the type of anxiety that seems to come out of nowhere, comes with rapid heart palpitations and uh, strong physical response. There's post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety that comes from living through a traumatic event. There's social phobias, the anxiety of uh, being around people. And then as you get into the phobias, uh, one site had 94 different official phobias out there, and I don't know why there's 94 and there's not a million. Some of the more odd phobias that were listed in that list were electrophobia, the fear of chickens, onomatophobia, the fear of names, pogonophobia, the fear of beards, Nephophobia, the fear of clouds. Cryophobia, the fear of ice or cold. Hopefully you don't struggle with that one. Venustrophobia, the fear of beautiful women, are just a few of the more unusual phobias that are listed as official disorders that people might have. The world only speaks of managing your anxiety or managing your stress. You will not see the world speak of these things being eliminated. No one will speak with the authority of Christ where He simply invites the disciples in to an anxiety-free life. A life-free life free of fear in 1st John four seventeen, we read by this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence before the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment whoever fears has not been perfected in love when you're anxious when you're fearful you are not clearly seen what John is saying in 1 John 4 that you're united with Christ that he is with you in this world you have not seen all that God has done for you in Christ having His Father as your Father. Love has not been perfected in your thinking as fear rules in your life. The title of the sermon is Five Commands and Eight Reasons Not to Be Anxious. It's not real clever, but it's the facts of the text. There's five commands which really kind of boil down to two. Kind of like different sides of the same coin. One looking at the positive, the other looking at it from uh, the negative perspective. If you look at your notes, you can see the five commands. Do not be anxious about your life, your physical life. Don't be anxious about it. Do not seek what you'll eat or drink, nor be worried. Those are two similar commands. And then seek His kingdom is the opposite side. What's the opposite of worry? Seeking God, trusting God, living for His kingdom. Fear not, little flock, is similar. Do not be anxious and do not worry. And then the final one, sell, give and provide money bags uh, to hold eternal treasures is the same as seek the kingdom. So really there's kind of two main commands there that Jesus lays out in five uh, different ways that we're going to look at. And then he gives us eight reasons that you'll be tempted to argue with in your heart. You'll say things like, well, yeah, I know I'm not supposed to be worried about my life, but somebody's got to do this, right? That's justifying our way out of the peace Christ wants us to have. Or we might say, yeah, I know that I'm not supposed to toil or spin, that God will clothe me, but aren't I responsible to work? Well, yes, you are, but you're not responsible to work in a way where you worry about your needs. You're to work with faith. So there's a thousand ways we try to work our way out of the comfort of this text. If I was going to put this whole sermon into one sentence, it would be do not be anxious, rather seek the kingdom of God. Those are two things you can do. You can be anxious or you can seek the kingdom of God by trusting in God by faith. So let's look at the first command we have. Do not be anxious about your life. The context in this statement is the physical possessions of your life, your physical needs of your life, food, and clothing, which represent all the other things that we would need here on this earth. Here's what he says in verse 22 of chapter 12. And he said to his disciples, therefore, so he links this with the previous verses, which we'll talk about in a moment. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about, your life, what you'll eat, or about your body, what you will put on. It's a command straight from the mouth of Christ. Do not be anxious. His disciples are going to be tempted to live their lives in such a way that points them away from the kingdom of God as they worry about their needs, as they worry about uh, food and clothing and things like that. And then he says this: "For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. they neither sow nor reap. they neither have or they have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet, God feeds them of how much more value. His first reason is, I like this, it's got a more booming sound. (laughs) He says, don't be anxious because your life is more than those things that you're tempted to be anxious with. And your life has more value than birds and God feeds them. It's interesting. Do not be anxious about your life because that's not what your life is about. These things. It's really similar to what he said in the previous verses. In verse 15 when he said, take care and be on guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus is saying is be concerned with the things that really matter where your life consists. Your life is your soul. And in your soul or in your heart, you think and you love And you act. And He says, don't spend your time thinking about the things down here on this earth because your soul will find no rest in them. Because He just gave the parable where He talked about the man who let his soul find comfort in his things and that night his soul was required of him. And He said, whose possessions will that man's things be after he dies, his soul doesn't get to rest there. There's no return on your life. And yet, you and I often spend so much of our day, so much of our thoughts, so much of our life trying to anchor our security in those things or those circumstances. God, in verse 20, He says to the man who is tearing down his barns, building bigger ones so that his soul can rest in his stuff. He says, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And Jesus is telling His disciples, don't be foolish. Don't live your life like that. Life is more than your possessions. And if God feeds the birds and you are of more value than they, then you don't need to worry about those things. Now, throughout this whole sermon, you're going to be saying, I'm just guessing you're going to be saying, yeah, but don't I have to worry about how I'm going to pay for my clothing? Don't I have to worry about the house that the shelter Yes, God wants you to be faithful with the mind He's given you, with the energy He's given you. He doesn't want you to be lazy and sin that way. But there's a difference in wanting to glorify God in your work and working because you're worrying about whether or not you're going to be taken care of. Secondly, He says, do not be anxious. Because anxiety doesn't work. It doesn't do anything for you. It doesn't accomplish anything for you. Look at what he says in verse 25. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Literally, it's a single cubit. A cubit is the measurement from your elbow to the tips of your fingers. And obviously he's not talking about adding height to your life, but length to your life. We're those, he, he knows that his disciples are going to be tempted to be worried about the length of their life. And he says, do not be anxious because you can add 18 inches or a single hour to the end of your life with worrying. It doesn't work. It's a foolish thing to do because it doesn't deliver. God is the one who has the privilege to determine the length of your life. And you don't get to step into His shoes in that area of your life. And I know some of you are thinking, well, aren't I supposed to eat healthy? Aren't I supposed to watch what I do? Aren't I supposed to do these things so that I can add to my life? Someone gave me a magazine called Life Extension Magazine to give to my father who just had a heart attack so he could add to his life. God does not want our minds in our hearts and our energy focused on those things but the kingdom of God. No, He doesn't want you to sin with your eating. Yes, He wants you to have self-control. Yes, He wants you to take care of your body in which uh, you are temples of the Holy Spirit, but not to add to your life that which you weren't going to get. That's not yours to add. Anxiety cannot add that to your life. Psalm 139 says, verse 16, you saw, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that you formed for me when there was not yet one of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. Before you were ever created, there's a book. And all of your days are in that book. And all of your worrying can't add one more day, one more hour to the allotted time God has given to you. In Psalm 56, six eight, he says, not only in that book are your days? He says, you've kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Not only is there a book that God has that has your days in them, but how many times have you tossed to or fro in the night? How many tears have you shed? And yet God... Is not aloof to any of those. Anxiety does not work. Third, do not be anxious because being anxious doubts the faithfulness of God's provision. It's sin. When we're anxious about the provisions of our life, we doubt God. Look at what he says in verse 27. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will He clothe you, O you of little faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And He does not just tell His disciples what He tells that generation. He says, oh, faithless generation. He says to His disciples, oh, you of little faith. They have faith, but it's little. We glorify God in our life by trusting Him, not doubting Him. By clinging to His words like children listen to their parents. So do not be anxious because that, call it what it is, it's doubting the provision of God in your life. And then we get a second command similar to the first. Do not seek what you'll eat or drink nor be worried. This is in verse 29. Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. And don't seek what you'll eat or drink. Well, I thought I'm supposed to work. Yeah, but you're not to strive after it as though it's not going to be there for you. So there's a way, once again, we can work where... We're anxious and we're the ones working it. And there's a way where we work trusting God. He's going to provide in His faithfulness to us. And then here's the reason He gives. Another reason. All, for all the nations of the world seek after these things. He's telling His disciples, you look at the unbelieving world, they're all going after one thing. Food and clothing. It's really no different today, right? Food and fashion. Is this not what the world drives on today? Restaurants everywhere you see and stores. Food and fashion are the two terms that John MacArthur, I, I don't want to claim those as my own, but He's right. Nothing's changed in 2,000 years. And He's telling His disciples, are you really going to live? Is the passion of your life really going to be lived just like the rest of the world? Don't be that way. You don't have to be that way. You're following Me. My dad is your dad. We're going to see that in a moment. Just think how opposite this is. Every political candidate's saying, you, you better vote for me and be afraid of these things. And there's this one odd person out there in the world that says, follow me and do not be afraid. It's just exactly the opposite. There's no one like Christ And so he says, as my followers, you be different. Don't be anxious like they are. And then he says, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. See, he brings the Father into it at this point. And He says, Your Father. He doesn't say My Father. The Israelites never called God My Father. But Jesus comes and He calls God His Father and then He tells His followers, Your Father. And what an amazing comfort. He got. he says, Your Father knows that you need them. He knows. He feeds the birds. The birds aren't thinking about how they're going to eat. He feeds them. You're of more value. Your God hasn't forgotten. He knows your needs. Do not be anxious about your life. It's rooted in the character of God, this command. 1 Peter 5.6 says, Humble yourself. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He might exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Take every anxiety you have. I love it. He doesn't say share it with Him. Oh, come, Father, come. I'm bearing all these anxieties. Will you just walk through with me through this? cast them on him why because he cares for you he knows what you need and jesus commands you don't carry them don't be anxious that's not your lot in life that's stepping out of bounds god feeds the birds and god feeds you Philippians 4:19, Paul tells the Church of Philippi, "My God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And my God will supply every need of yours. It isn't a gray area. There isn't, you look at it in the Greek language and it actually doesn't mean what it says. In fact, one of the most repeated commands in the Bible is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Just read about Israel in the wilderness. God made it so their clothes wouldn't wear out. He brought millions of people into a place where there's no water and no food. That's scary. And then he gave them water to drink and he gave them bread to eat. And they worried and worried and worried and worried and worried. No matter what he did, is he really going to do it one more time? And then we get the opposite side of the coin. Don't worry, don't be anxious. Instead, verse 31 says, seek His kingdom and these things will be added to you. Isn't it interesting? He says, instead of worrying about your clothes and your food and your life, pour your passion into the kingdom of God. Your Father knows you need those. They're all going to be added. Why waste your time? You only have so many hours in a day. You only have so many days in your life and you're going to spend it doing living, seeking the kingdom of God or worrying about things down here. And if God's already doing the worrying for you, He's going to take care of you. He's going to feed you. Seek the kingdom of God. Those things will be taken care of. You see how it's the opposite sign? Don't worry. Seek God's kingdom. Seek His will. Seek the realm of salvation. Live for what will last forever. Sink your anchor of your hope not in your stuff, but in God. In all of His promises in which God cannot lie and will never break. And His promises are so great, your mind will explode if you try to comprehend them. What does it mean He's going to supply to us according to the abundant riches of His glory? Do you know anything about His glory? You know something about it. You haven't fathomed the mass of it. And so you haven't fathomed what it means to invest your life in God. You can't imagine the returns. To seek the kingdom of God means to place your heart, which is your thoughts, your desires, and your actions upon God who has promised eternal life in the kingdom. Let me say that again. To seek the kingdom of God is to place your heart Your heart is where you think, where your desires are, where your actions come from. So you place your heart upon God. You anchor your thoughts in God's promises. You put your desires on God Himself. And then you act according to what you're thinking about and what you're loving. Because... He's promised eternal life. Eternal life doesn't mean life everlasting merely, but the best life. Eternal life is the greatest capacity of types of life there is. So Jesus says, don't worry. Seek the kingdom of God. Instead, don't Seek the kingdom. Don't live like the rest of the world. Another reason, which we've already talked about, all these things will be added unto you. In illustration, Paul tells Timothy, for while bodily training, and this is First Timothy 4 8, he talks about physical exercise. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Should you exercise? Yes. Should you exercise in such a way that people look at you and say, whoa, there's the passion of their life. That's where their thoughts are. That's where their mind is. That's where their time is. That's where their heart is. No. No. Don't exercise like that. It has some value. Paul admits it. Pour your life into the kingdom of God, which has eternal value. And then we get another command in verse 32. This is one of the sweetest commands Fear not, little flock. I'm so glad it doesn't say, fear not, courageous soldiers. Because I don't feel like one a lot of times. And a flock of sheep are the most pathetic, helpless, weak, lack of direction, animal there is. (laughs) And Jesus says, Fear not, little flock. Now, I think there's a transition here. Now, he's not just saying, don't fear about your physical life. Because I know some of you here are sitting here saying, okay, I'm not going to worry about my clothing or the house bill or whatever else, but I'm going to live in terror of whether or not I'll actually seek the kingdom of God good enough. Because he just commanded, seek the kingdom of God. Yeah, but he called you sheep right after that. He says, seek the kingdom of God. And then he says, fear not, little flock. For, here's the reason, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's not like he says, seek the kingdom of God, and this is a really hard test. And not many of you are going to do it good enough. He says, fear not, weak ones, little ones, struggling ones, for my Father can't wait to give you the kingdom. In fact, it's His idea and He will guide you. He's the one that's the good shepherd. Remember the parable of the talents? He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. God is happy to give you the kingdom. You remember what the one guy did that buried the tail in the ground? What was he saying to his heart? The master is a harsh master. He's not good. I'm scared to death. I'm anxious. I'm worried. I'm going to bury it in the ground. Scared to death. That's a wicked man. Because he denies the goodness and faithfulness of God. He doesn't trust the provisions of God. I hope verse 32 is one of your favorite verses. It's one of mine. And then he gives this command, which is the opposite side of the worry coin. It's a unique one. It's ironic. It's paradoxical. Sell, give, and provide money bags. Look at verse 33. Sell your possessions. Give to the needy. And then I would expect him to say, and experience what it's like to not have anything. Because then you'll really have to trust God. But that's not what it says. It says, sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide for yourselves. Doesn't that surprise you? Apply for yourselves money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Because you better have an eternal money bag if you're going to have eternal treasures. You don't want your eternal treasures wearing out your money bag that wears out. I just love the picture. With the treasures in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches, no moth destroys, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Jesus says, don't pour your life into your stuff because if you do, your heart's going to be with your stuff. That's where your hope's going to be anchored and that stuff is not a good place to anchor your soul. Rather, with the stuff God has given you, it's His stuff. You're a steward. Be generous with it. And don't think your generosity goes with no return. Well, I went without. You're investing in heaven. In heaven, the greatest part of heaven is you get God. But that's not all the Bible says. You inherit the earth. The new heavens and the new earth. You get God and you get His stuff as a son. Now, if the only reason why you want to go to heaven is for stuff, there's something wrong with you. Because the creator of the stuff is better than the stuff. And yet, you like food, right? Well, that ought to cause you to give God glory. You like standing on firm ground. That won't be in hell. In heaven, you'll be on firm ground. A ground that isn't cursed. A ground that is beyond what we can imagine. And I just want you to ask the question, where have your thoughts been? Where have your desires been? Are they full of fear? Are they full of anxiety? Are they full of lies that say He's really upset with you and you're probably not getting in because you're not doing it good enough? That doesn't come from Christ. Christ is this wonderful Savior that says, don't be anxious. Do not fear, little flock. Do not worry. In fact, you get this incredible thing you get to do. You get to seek the kingdom of God without having to carry all that. The worries come, cast them on Him. He's the one that carries them. Man, we're already at 40 minutes. I'm not going to skip this part though because it's my favorite part. And you need it. My soul needed this. In Haggai, in Haggai chapter 1, we have an interesting place that Israel's in at this point in time. Uh, In 538, Cyrus uh, permitted Israel to begin rebuilding the temple. They had been in Babylonian captivity and they're able to go back into Jerusalem and start the temple. A year later, the foundation for the temple is laid. But then opposition comes. You can read about it in Ezra 4. Verse 4, it says, Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build and bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. All the days of King Cyrus of Persia. And even until the reign of Darius, the king of Persia. So for 18 years, because the people of the land were saying, don't do it, don't do it, we'll bribe you, we'll give you money, they quit building the temple in Jerusalem. And God sends Haggai the prophet. And here's what he says in verse 4. He's going to point them at their economic problems and their spiritual position. He says, "...is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill." You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house of the Lord that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Declares the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the lands and the hills, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, and on the ground that brings forth, on man and beast and all their labors. You want to not seek the kingdom of God? You think that in all your effort, all your worry, all your striving, you're going to get yourself ahead? Well, God showed to His people, you can forget me, you can take bribes, but I'm the one that makes the crops grow. I'm the one that gives you your well-being. And this might seem like a downer way to end the sermon, but think of it the other way. Can God really provide for you? You better believe it. You think it's hard for God to provide for you? Those who anchor their soul in Him. He will provide. All these things will be added to you. And He'll give you the kingdom. And He'll do it with a smile on His face. And Jesus wants you to know, follow Him. Don't be anxious. Quit fearing. He's the one man that says those words and can deliver on it. Father, I pray that everyone here would know Christ. Father, I pray that no one would have any hope of being anchored in God without trusting by faith in Christ. Father, I pray that they would know that You sent Your only Son to go to the cross and provide for them for their sins. And that on that cross, he, You put our sins on Him so that anyone who would trust in Christ would be born again, would be called children of God. All the promises for God's children are for those who trust in Christ. So Lord, I pray that no one here would have their hope anchored outside of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that You would forgive us for all of our fret, all of our worry, all of our anxiety, all of our seeking after the things which cannot satisfy. Father, let us remember that You're good. You know we have physical needs. You know we have needs down here on the, this earth. But Father, we trust You. We know that every last day that You've ordained for a life, You will provide for us down to the very last minute. Thank You for being our God. In Jesus' name, Amen.